Hey, hello and welcome to the Middle East Forum speaker webinar series. I'm Stacey McKenna and I will be moderating this discussion today. We are pleased to have Professor Gerald Steinberg, Professor, er, President of NGO Monitor, join us to discuss the EU awakes to terror-linked NGOs, then goes back to sleep. Professor Steinberg will speak for five to 10 minutes and open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen. We'll do our best to get to all questions, but we have many participants on this webinar, so I apologize in advance if we do not get to yours today. And with that, I will turn the discussion over to Professor Gerald Steinberg. Hello, everybody. Here we are in our downtown Jerusalem studios overlooking the old city. At least that's what uh, the Zoom gives you. And I'm very pleased. I thank you very much to the Lewis Forum for giving me the platform and the opportunity of working closely with the MEF for If you want to look me up, you can see some variations on the theme that I've written about and published and, of course, worked with and created fire and over the years. We don't have much time. I'm going to so let me put out some of the material to make it visible. We have share screen option here. Yes, we do. I'm going to uh, immediately share the information. It's going to be a very quick overview of the research that the NG Monitor is doing. And uh, so I, I apologize that it won't be about all the details, but hopefully. And you can in the questions also in the um, come on. So you can see full stereo. Okay. So I believe the second half I'm optimistic, at least so, that after I present to you, I presented it to a number of European analysts that their money is going to fund very clear organizations that operate of human rights are in fact linked to the popular front for liberation of palestine terrorist organization that they will take this seriously and not go back to sleep but we'll have to see maybe i'll come back in a year and tell you what they stand monitor has a number of illustrations very quickly and then also a brief discussion of the european response NGO Monitor, the organization that I founded about 20 years ago, is based in Jerusalem. We have about 20 researchers. We're the only organization in the world that systematically focuses on NGOs, non-governmental organizations, that claim to promote human rights and are particularly focused on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, Israel in particular. We do academic analyses, we write, publish articles, and we present them in the United Nations. We have something called ECOSOC status, which allows us to participate in the discussions. That's a very unusual political situation that allowed our application to be approved. Our well, database, you can all enter in. Having some issues hearing you over here. Ah. Okay. Um, can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. I'll uh, I'll keep going and cut me if you cut me off if you want. And I can go back and 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 uh, go over whatever you missed. So uh, and also you have the the visuals in front of you. So hopefully you'll be able to put it together if you can't quite hear me. Uh, NGO Monitor maintains a database, as we said, of over 200 organizations. And also, we analyze 
as opposed to right now, we know more about where the tutor is in Europe. I'm talking mainly about the Union. The United States, at least these last four years, has not been involved in this kind of funding. Canada to a limited degree, but most of it comes out of Europe. We know more about where their money goes in many of the official Sinai annual budget requests, funding, as I said, two to three billion euros a year to hundreds of organizations around the world, and including a disproportionate number that with the the shock when they see, or they uh, we've talked about it as being a sort of a, a confused and chaotic response because they didn't know that any of organizations with money are very clear organizations. Just to give you a sense of the scale that we're talking about, Western European governments undertaking a promotion of humanitarian aid, promotion of peace, for 120 million euros a year approximately, and this is the breakdown of different countries, to these organizations. That's a lot of money, year after year after year. And what we found in the last few years when we began to look at this terror link is that 25 million that amount is linked to the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine, an organization that is defined on the list of the European government themselves and the European Union as a terrorist group. Their PFLP created a network of organizations under the heading of human rights sometime in the 1990s. There are at least nine of them that we've identified. Looking for more evidence on them. Some of the, the names we well know, most important perhaps, is the Palestinian NGO Network, PNGO, who speaks for organizations, and we'll see their influence coming up. Uh, and the funding does more than simply give them the ability to uh, present and make it seem like Palestine, legitimacy, the oh, United Nations, oh, even in the US. Video again, sorry. Okay. Uh, you want to tell me where we, we dropped off? It, it keeps coming in and out. Uh, okay, That's, uh, I've done a lot of uh, webinars. We, we also did a test run and we didn't have this problem. So I don't no. know what to tell you. Um, what, okay. what do you suggest we do? Uh, it seems to be coming in right now. I'm so sorry for this. Okay. As I said, that we have traced, and I'll give you the specifics in a minute, 25 million euros over the last seven years. And that's, there may be a lot more. That's what we've been able, only from the European Union. At least coming from the industries, because they're all roughly budget. For what I call human rights organization. Let me explain what we're talking about. The NGO, which, as I said, the umbrella organization that unites many of the Palestinian organizations, groups, has at least five members that are directly prisoners in the terrorist international exploit the issue of children and health workers, these are all part of the NGO 
Palestinian NGO work, the board and the coordinating committee, the CEO of one of these organizations, the health workers, is a also very much part of this, this establishment and linked to the AFLP. Another the head of the NGO group in Gaza and the uh, Ex-General General Assembly. Yes. Uh, this is Greg Roman. I'm, we're just having some ah, technical okay. difficulties on one side here. I want to uh, just uh, apologize to our audience for one second. Gerald, I apologize to you. If we can just take uh, one minute to uh, try to sort out this one thing here. And uh, we'll, we'll resume in 60 seconds, okay? Sorry for the interruption. Uh, let me know when it's time to get on. Thank you. Hi, Gerald. Sorry about that. The easiest way for us to fix this is going to be for you to leave the meeting and then to rejoin with the link that you um, that you used to get in. It might be an internet connection issue on your on your side, but I think that rejoining might take care of the issue. Can you disconnect okay. and reconnect? I am going to do that. I'm All right. Thank you, Gerald. Sorry about the difficulty. Yeah, got it. Okay. And for everyone else, while we're waiting for Gerald to get back on and reconnect, we apologize for these technical issues. Sometimes this can happen, but um, we uh, uh, usually test this before we actually participate in these meetings. And sometimes just, you know, technology gets the better of us. So without further ado, Gerald will reconnect and we will continue the webinar briefing. Uh, again, um, if this uh, doesn't pan out for another minute or so, we can always reschedule the uh, the meeting. But my hope is, is is that when Gerald gets back on, we'll be able to resume. Gerald, welcome back. Okay, can you uh, hear me now? Yeah, let's just do it. Let's just do a quick test. Let's count to ten, and then um, we'll start going again. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Great. We, we we've got your presentation. Thank you. Okay. And so uh, if there's any other issues, I apologize in advance. But thank you very much for joining us, and we'll continue our webinar. Have a great uh, evening over there, Gerald. Good, okay, and uh, as we all apologize for the technical issues, it's part of the, the Zoom process here. The evidence that I'll just put up, there are a lot of very evidence connecting the NGO, Palestinian NGO network that's, con uh, that's part and really very deeply connected to the Pal Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine with the, these NGOs. The PNGO framework is an important role. They're often consulted by governments by the European Union. Gerald, I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to cut you off again. Just the, the microphone's not really working out for us. We're all hearing a bunch of static when you're talking. 
Um, Let me try. I'm going to try to put in a uh, different microphone. Okay, that'd be great. Just in case. Let's see if that helps. See where the uh, plugger here is. Got to be on this side, I guess. Yep. Well, does this make is this any better? Yeah, it's great. Why don't you uh, continue and we'll tell really? you. Really? All right. All right. I should have started with this, I guess. All right. I'm going to show you now, just again, because we're doing this even more quickly than I had planned, I'll show you a few illustrations that uh, demonstrate how closely connected this group of NGOs are with the PFLP. I'm going to start with an organization called Al Haq. They're very active in the International Criminal Court and the UN Human Rights Council in promoting the allegations against Israel in particular, war crime violations, international law violations. They're taken very seriously. And you'll often see diplomats and UN officials meeting with the head of the organization, Sharon Jabarin. You'll see them testifying. Well, a number of, and this there, uh, a uh, 1948 agenda, Israel has no right to exist. But I think the most important part of it is that Sharon Jabarin back in, uh, in 2007, the Israeli High Court, he was convicted in the 1980s as being a member of the PFLP. And uh, in 2007, the Israeli High Court agreed to or upheld a travel ban, not allowing him to go abroad. And the reason was that they said that he, the evidence was that he was uh, recruiting for the PFLP. And this is from the Israeli High Court. He's a human rights defender by day and a terrorist by night. Now, the organization that he is connected to is the, or claims to have been connected to is the PFLP. Another organization that's quite active in the United States is Defense for Children International Palestine. Their director is Rifato de Cassis. There are three people that have connections with the PFLP. And here you can have some, see some illustrations that very much highlight this image of a a terrorist by day and a human, or rather a human rights defender by day and a terrorist by night. Here we see the people who are connected members of the board, directors that are part of the DCIP framework that are appearing in events that are sponsored by, have flags, are in memorial to members of the PFLP. And that's not, a, these are not, uh, you can see just a small illustration of the number of times that we've been able to see these connections whether it's on Facebook, on Twitter, or in various other ways. Now, what's important is to realize that this organization often speaks on, in, on Congress in different frameworks. And here again, this is a part of their, uh, their own website, talks about uh, the loss of their colleagues that killed in shootouts or in, in uh, encounters with terrorists, uh, with uh, PFLP people. And these are people who are also as part of their camouflage part, they're involved with the DCIP organization. So they will appear particularly in hearings that are sponsored by, or at hearings and in events on Capitol Hill that are sponsored by Betty McCollum and a few others. McCollum introduced legislation now twice that's designed to prevent US tax dollars from supporting the Israeli military's ongoing mistreatment of Palestinian children. The text of her legislation is cut and paste from this propaganda campaign. Their funding comes from a number of European governments. So here you have the terrorist-based organizations or linked organizations, the PFLP, funded by European governments ostensibly for human rights, promoting a children's campaign 
which is designed to attack Israel and, and to weaken the links between Israel and the United States. I'll give you one more quick illustration and it's very important. The Union of Agricultural Work Committees, which gets tens of millions of euros and pounds and other funding from European governments. They are openly identified by the Fatah framework, which is part of the, the core of the PLO, as an official PFLP affiliate. And the USID in a report called it the agricultural arm of the PFLP. About six months ago, well, in August of 2009, a woman by the name of Rena Schnerb, you see her picture here, 17 years old, a young woman, was killed while, her while she was hiking with her father and her brother. And they were targeted for killing an explosive device went off. It was targeted against them. And there was, that was an attack by the PFLP. The person who was uh, commanding that cell was also the UAWC accountant. He negotiated the funding coming from particularly the European Union and other, organ other European governments. The administrative manager was in charge of recruiting new members to carry out attacks. Both of them are on trial for the murder, being involved in the murder of Rina Schnerb. So this is not 30 years ago that PFLP was a terrorist organization and now these wonderful people have gone and discovered the world of human rights. This is an active terror organization which has, just like sometimes we, we hear the myth of a military arm and a or a military wing and a political wing, here we have the terrorist wing and the NGO human rights wing, which is even more absurd. I'll skip the Man Development Center, that's another illustration, and I'll just talk very briefly now about the European funding. According to the European Union regulations, and this is a regulation that was officially added or adopted, the Europeans say it was there before but wasn't so visible, they said grant beneficiaries must ensure that there is no, there are no subcontractors, what they call natural persons, and I'll, and I'll come back, participants in workshops training. In other words, there's supposed to be no money going to anybody involved with terrorist organizations in the lists of EU restrictive measures. The PNGO, which I talked about at the beginning, which is an umbrella, umbrella organization of over 100, around 150 Palestinian organizations, NGOs, representing all these groups, went to the European Union office that's uh, in charge of relations with the Palestinians and said, we totally oppose this. We won't let you, we refuse to allow you to apply this um, regulation to the funding that we're getting. And the European Union official said, okay. Uh, they, they wrote a letter, which was received in March 2020, a clarification letter. There's the word natural and the words natural persons, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, we understand that the list, if you're not on the list, and there are no PFLP members on the list, the PFLP is on the banned list of terror organizations in the EU, but there are no natural persons listed. And so as a result, the EU ambassador, Sven Kuhn von Bergsdorf told the PNGO Palestinian representatives that there are no Palestinian natural persons on the restrictive measures list, and therefore you're going to continue to get your money. This is after NGO Monitor had uncovered the details. I showed you three illustrations. We've probably got about 70 or 80 specific illustrations of the, the uh, human rights defender by day, terrorist by night example. The Israeli government then called in the EU ambassador 
there were a series of discussions, including in the European Parliament, and a European commissioner in charge of relations with Israel, the neighbor, what's called the European Neighborhood Policy, said, we're going to investigate this. Now, we're going to see if there's going to be an investigation or not. There may, that's why I leave the question of did the European Union go to sleep or not. If they think that that's the end of it, we're going to try to make sure that it's not. And, and I have good reason to think the Israeli government, including the foreign ministry, and including the Ministry of Strategic Affairs and, and the Prime Minister, all of whom are going to insist that the Europeans take a serious look at this and end the funding that can readily be siphoned off to the terrorist organizations like the PFLP. I'm going to end by showing you who I really am. Here I am. I'm in charge of this massive spider web. You can recognize some of the people there. I'm, you know, John Bolton is in there, even Netanyahu uh, and, and Ambassador David Friedman. Number of, Daniel Pipes is up there too and a number of other people. And somehow the research that we're doing is like, we're controlling the spider web designed to hijack the aid debate on Palestine, to prevent these wonderful organizations from getting the funding that they deserve. This is from a Swedish government funded development aid framework. It's a magazine they, they published over 20 different uh, attacks on NGO Monitor, which shows that we're getting our work done. And, uh, uh, that at least gives me some hope that maybe the message is getting through. Uh, I'll now be happy to try to answer some questions. Get back to the real world here. Up to you. All right. Thank you so much. And again, to our viewers, I apologize for technical issues. We can talk. And I apologize. I'm glad we worked them out. <laughs> yes, me too. Very informative. Uh, so our first question is, does the EU really go back to sleep or rather actively conceal the money flow? process by they certainly conceal the money flow they have now about 15 years ago when i first began to do the research everything was top secret and through freedom of information and some uh, naming and shaming some embarrassment in various parliaments they generally publish who they're giving money to sometimes it takes a couple of years there are a few exceptions the dutch government the last two years has stopped uh, publishing all of its funding information but as i said now that these the information is has been revealed you can't really hide it completely so even though the processes are in secret, I think they're going to have to deal with it. I don't think that they're able to continue to hide it. Uh, there are people who want, whether they're pro-Israel or anti-Israel or pro-US or not, they don't like to see their money wasted. This is clearly a lot of money wasted. So I would expect that the, this debate will at least continue for a significant period of time. Is the EU anti-Semitic or do you think it's just indifferent? There are a lot of people we're talking about in the decision-making process of the EU. There are people who are very staunchly anti-Israel, very pro-Palestinian, and that sometimes goes across to anti-Semitism. I, I use the International Holocaust Remembrance Association definition of anti-Semitism, singling out Israel for special treatment, double standards, denying the right of the Jewish people for self-determination, things like that. So there are people like that in the EU framework. And there are other people who prefer some, they're just anti-Israel, they don't like Israeli policies. The whole idea of funding NGOs, in massive amounts within the EU began in the 1990s. It was right after Oslo. Got to do a little bit of history here. And it was designed to compete with the United States. The United States had the, Oslo was gonna bring peace. I'm talking about 93, 94, 95. And the Europeans said, well, we're gonna give money to, to these civil society organizations and they're going to be the carriers of our policies. And that began, the money began to flow a few million at a time, not tens of millions where we are now, but it, that was seen as a great way to exert influence. 
and to support their, all these fringe groups that were opposing Israeli policy, whether they were Palestinian or Israeli groups. So at this point, it's very deeply entrenched in, in Europe, and it, it's really gone completely out of control. And these illustrations, money to organizations, large amounts of money year after year to organizations that have officials directly linked to the PFLP, is just it's a major, maybe the most blatant example of being out of control. Thank you. Are there any EU countries that are pro-Israel that help you in your efforts? I think there are individuals in their countries that are more open to hearing the information and not dismissing it, not just to slam their ears shut as some, some of the officials do. It somewhat depends and it varies. So in Eastern Europe, the Czech Republic tends to be more willing to listen to the, the information and, and to present it and say to the EU officials, that, how do you explain this? A lot, to a large degree, the countries that are what sometimes is called the, the new Europe, not the ones that were under the Soviet Union and, and part of the uh, behind the Iron Curtain, or under, understand that manipulation of civil society is anti-democratic and the use of these organizations. And that, that's the absurd thing. These are supposed to be non-governmental organizations, and yet they're funded as part of the budgets by governments, by taxpayers. And I think that that message is understood. And, and there are individuals and, and some significant people in Norway and in Holland and other countries that also understand this principle. Stacy, your mic's off. That would do it. <laughs> We're all having issues today. Um, is Anand Ashrawi a PFLP supporter? And feel free to correct me on the pronunciation. <laughs> Hanan uh, Ashrari, as, as many people who go back to the 60s, 70s, and 80s like me know, she was the most, one of the most visible Palestinian spokespeople. She speaks English, and she was she quite well, and she appears a lot, still does. She was considered to be the, the, the voice of Palestinian moderation and peace. And she's not, as far as I know, at all connected to the PFLP. She does have an NGO that gets funded by Europeans and others, um, and it's called uh, Miftach, and sometimes they also, they do a lot of anti-Israel propaganda, and they also sometimes go off into anti, really blatant anti-Semitism, and that also has led to some funding changes once that gets pointed out to, particularly in the case of Germany. The Germans did stop their funding when that, that became clear, when, but it's always, we have to present that information to them. The funders don't do their homework, they don't do due diligence, and they say, well, they say all these great things about human rights that other people don't think they're good. Let's give them money. Thank you for that. Are there still other former PLO units involved in similar NGO work? We don't see to a significant degree this kind of in-depth involvement. The framework that the, the PFLP, and I think I know some of the people involved in this back in the 1990s, realized this was a great way to, to expand, to have a political wing, if, if you want to use that language. And it was a great way to infiltrate all these international organizations, legitimacy. The money may be secondary, although it's interesting, they're not getting money as far as we can tell from any of the, uh, the Gulf states and any, of, uh, any, any place in the Middle East. They seem to be getting most of their money from within Europe, which is very strange also. But they discovered this sort of magic key in the 1990s. And that's, that's what they've been pursuing. I don't know that we have not found evidence systematically of other groups. Now, it's important to note that within the framework of the Middle East Forum, there are other people and other frameworks that do look at the Islamic charities and do good work there in showing how groups like uh, Islamic Relief Worldwide and others 
are involved. On the one hand, they have terror links and they are also getting money from different governments, including at times the United States, Canada, and also Europe. That's a different category. And I think that's important. And there the connections are different. I, I think that I'm less of an expert on that. Uh, they don't claim to be doing human rights. So we, we leave that for the, the people who follow that. And I think Sam Weston and others, Westrop and others do that work very well. So Sam, if you're on, then uh, send in the information. I'm sure to pass on the message to him. Do you think these allocations to the NGOs is ideo ideological or ransom money to avoid terror? I think the ransom money comes from Europe goes in other ways. It goes straight to the, the organizations themselves, particularly Fatah and the PLO back in the 70s and 80s. Uh, perhaps it's also in the form of aid to Hamas. The PFLP is a smaller framework, a smaller organization. And at least we're talking about the, the last 10 years, let's say, of PFLP operations. They tend to do most of their terrorism now within the Israeli-Palestinian uh, framework. So I, I'm not going to use the term ransom money in this case. I think it is partly ideological, partly political, partly just blindness. Are there any U.S. organizations that are on your radar currently? These, the organizations that we focus on are we're Palestinian, Israeli, European. We do NGO monitor, and this is outside the scope of this presentation, but NGO, as I said, NGO monitor, we have about 200 organizations that we provide a, almost daily updates. And some of them are based in the United States uh, and are very active in it actually now in trying to do this intersectionality and, and link the uh, Black Lives Matter with the Palestinian uh, situation in Palestinian propaganda. And there are a number of groups like that that are involved Jewish, what's called Jewish Voice for Peace, which is largely not Jewish or a voice for peace group like called If Not Now, something called the U.S. Campaign, I think, for Palestinian rights or something like that. They are very active in this uh, Black Lives Matter Palestinian linkage intersectionality, and those are based in the U.S. They're all, I think, almost entirely funded by the Rockefeller Brothers Fund. That's an, another interesting aspect of the work that we're doing. Uh, that's relatively small in terms of the impact, now maybe more in terms of politics greater than what we see from Europe. And it's all in the U.S. It's all privately funded, foundation funded and not government funded. It raises questions about tax exemption, but it is not a matter of uh, government taxpayers funding going directly to these types of groups. Understood. What can you say about the International Alliance of Democratic Lawyers who held their annual meeting in Gaza several years ago? It's not much I can say. I'd have to bone up on it. I, I know that it's come across our radar. And mostly when we have things like that, we look to see who, the, who they're connected to. Usually it's a handful of people, maybe less, even three or four coming from outside of the region, but they, they can bring in not just funding, but also the issue of legitimacy and connections and visibility comes up. What I can say is that anybody's welcome to go to the ngomonitor.org website and look it up and uh, you'll probably see it in our search engine. Well, you just stole my last question. I was going to ask oh, where no. you could find some more information on this. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, I, you can Google us. You can find us. We're out there. And uh, you, you can see also at the same time, as I illustrated, the fact that why the, the, the groups that do give the money and the ones that give them the money don't particularly like the work that we're doing, which says that uh, it's got to continue. So thanks. I want to thank everybody for participating.
Thank you so much. We really appreciate you speaking to us today. Unfortunately, we've come to the close of our webinar. Please join us Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern for Ashley Perry's update on all things Israeli. On Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern, we'll be joined by Ms. IFO discussing Islam becomes a taboo topic, the Danish case. Please be sure to check out our website, www.meforum.org, our YouTube channel, or our SoundCloud for recordings of past webinars. Thank you again for joining us, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you.